This is Freelance Feels, a podcast for anyone who is self-employed, freelance or thinking about it. My name's Jenny Stallard, I'm a freelance lifestyle journalist and I founded Freelance Feels in 2019 as a response to my own mental health challenges. The idea behind Freelance Feels is to show freelance life in all its reality, from the down moments to the yay ones, and share other people's stories as well so we all feel less alone in the self-employed world. Each episode I speak to a different freelancer, self-employed person or entrepreneur about their work and mental health, exploring their story, their challenges and triumphs, as well as getting valuable advice from them. Freelance Feels is also a newsletter, freelancefeels.substack.com and on social media at freelance underscore feels. Please do come and find me on Instagram and let me know how you're getting on with your freelance journey. If you enjoy the podcast, please do rate and review it. And now, on with the episode. Welcome to Freelance Feels, the podcast for humans who work for themselves. Today I'm speaking to Rachel Spencer. Hey Rachel, thank you for joining me. I'm really loving behind you immediately that you've got wallpaper with dogs on, um, which really fits in with your brand. Welcome, tell everybody what your freelance is, what is it that you do? Oh, thanks so much and I'm glad you like the wallpaper. Um, it took me ages to find some, um, some on-brand wallpaper, but I love it <laughs> and it's always a talking point whenever I speak to anyone. So my freelancing is, um, I'm a freelance journalist and have been since 2006, so 14 years. Um, and I recently, over kind of the last 18 months or so, started um, doing some consultancy for pet businesses who want to understand more about how to get media coverage. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit of a mix, really. Um, I'm a bit of a hybrid. And yeah, and it's really, it's really interesting and exciting. So, and that's why I've got dog wallpaper. It's brilliant. I really love it. It's so funny. Recently, people keep talking about finding a niche. And if you can find your niche, then that's really amazing right now in self-employed life, because then people know that you're the go-to for that particular niche. So it's like, when I see what you're doing, I just think, whoa, how's that for a niche? Helping people get publicity for their pet business. What exactly is that then? Is it so, for example, I'm a a dog trainer or I own like a dog coat company, then you'd help me get my business in the press. How does that all that work? Is that sort of what it is? Yeah, that is pretty much what it is in a nutshell. So I help pet business owners promote their products and services. So um, I've got lots of um, different types of businesses in my world, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, And it ranges from product businesses to service providers. So dog trainers, groomers, walkers, behaviorists. I've got a vet in there. Um, And then I've got people who make like dog bandanas, people who make dog (laughs) coats that you just mentioned. Um, And I've got a guy in there who makes, who, who, manufactures cat grass so for these beautiful indoor cats that people have cats need to eat grass i didn't i this is all new to me as well um so he manufactures he manufactures cat grass for the indoor cats i've got a really interesting mix of people in there that is amazing and then where do you kind of place them is it for those obviously i understand the world of placing a case study in the press but for somebody who didn't know was that then that you then go to the newspapers and magazines and sort of say hello do you want to do a story about this man who makes cat grass how do you then make it happen for those people so what so it kind of it evolved in a bit of a strange way um where i am where i am now so mm. offering the kind of consultancy and coaching so what happened was a few years ago i've i, I adopted my friend's dog back in 2009 um, and before then you know what it's like when you're freelancing you're on the road you're really busy 
Um, and he, I always thought, gosh, I'd love to have a dog, but I couldn't have one because of the nature of my work. Mm. So then I ended up adopting Daisy and it was because her owner had had a baby and Daisy was quite lively, shall we say. Um, <laughs> and she couldn't be around the baby. And I took her in for what we thought would be a few weeks and it ended up me keeping her and she stayed with me until she, until she passed away a couple of years ago. And that's when I started writing more about pets and I thought oh you know I've just been to this amazing doggy daycare I might I might you know write about you know the new the you know the nurseries for dogs or I took her for like dog Reiki once and I was like I'm write a story about that so yeah so that's kind of how it all started and then then I kind of got more pet contacts and I was pitching more pet related stories so about rescues or about charities or about innovation so you know things like fitbits for dogs that kind of thing and then it kind of really really started to snowball most of the articles I was working on were about pets Mm -hmm. and then I thought you know what I'm going to set up my own platform so I started a pet blog that was in 2017 and then when that happened the people who I would write about products and services so Mm -hmm. I might write about you know a new type of um, you know a new type of tree or a new type of dog fitbit or something like that and they would say okay it's you know, thanks for featuring me on your blog, but what, you know, we know you're a journalist. How do I get, you know, into mainstream media? And that's where the idea for the kind of consultancy came about. Sometimes people will come to me and say, oh my gosh, I've got this amazing new thing. And I'll be like, brilliant. Oh my gosh, I need to write a story about it. So like, mm-hmm. for example, one lady does like dog parkour. So, you know, oh, that way cool. you jump on. And I'm a dog things. person. So I'm obviously into all of this, but that's, even yeah. if you were a dog person, that's pretty cool, isn't it? Dog parkour. That's brilliant. Yeah. So I was like, oh my gosh, I need to write a story about it. So I went and did a first person piece about it. And then, you know, another lady who I knew, she's got this amazing cattery and it's like a boutique hotel for cats. So I did a story about her. But a lot of the people kind of in between have got, they've got great stories for local or regional um, newspapers, but they're the ones that we don't, if we, if we pitch a story into a local, we won't get paid for it. We only, as I know, obviously you know this, but for the freelancers listening, we only get paid if we pitch to a national, a national or a larger publication. So that's where the consultancy idea came about. So instead what I do is I help them understand what they need to do to pitch to a local paper or to a gift guide or something like that. And you do that, you do sort of webinars, don't you? And courses rather than sort of actually PRing them, you often sort of just teach them the bones of how to get their business out there themselves, don't you? So it's quite good that you sort of would you say it's a case of you've, you've written a webinar and now you can use it over and over again, that brilliant classic thing of you've got the material and you can shape that to the different clients as you go? Yes. Yeah. So um, so how it's kind of worked for me is I have, um, I have some free resources like my podcast. So I've got a podcast yes. like yourself and I share a lot, of, a lot of information on there which will help people get started. And then if they want to have more support from me, um, or more personalised help, then I have a membership programme which they can come in and I will I teach, it's a group programme and I basically teach them the steps to follow to learn how to get publicity for their pet business and there's lots of different things in there from like, you know, how to work with podcasters or how to work with bloggers mm. to, you know, following up after an interview and that kind of thing. So the idea is I do, I, I do keep updating the content and adding to it the more times people go through it but mm. yeah that's kind of how it works and and touch wood so far it's it's great and had some great results from it so I think yeah. it's genius I think it's just such a, an amazing example I don't know mm. if to niche is a verb but I'm going to say it's a great example of niching and as yeah. I said one at the moment is sort of saying and I've said it in workshops like seminars with people as well when I've been asked by new graduates you know what should I do? And I'm like, well, if you find your niche, then you're the go-to for that area. So you're now someone, if someone asked me, oh, who should I speak to about 
um, writing an article about my pet business, I'd know exactly. So we need to talk to Rachel immediately. Yeah. So it's, yeah, niching is now a verb. Off we go. Those of the people who didn't pick up on that, obviously you are a journalist by trade, aren't you? And now you sort of, yeah. do you consider yourself be a portfolio career person, an entrepreneur? Do you call yourself freelance? How do the two things of pivoting from journalism, but keeping it and then including the training, how does that manifest for you in terms of like, what do you call it? Do you call yourself freelance? Do you think of yourself as having a, a portfolio career? Oh my gosh. Do you know what, Jenny? It's still so new that I don't know. <laughs> I honestly just think I'm just kind of figuring it all out myself and muddling, muddling through all of this. But I think I saw somebody who's fairly similar to me who does some PR coaching and journalism and she described herself as a hybrid. So I guess I'm a bit of a hybrid because Ooh. I'm doing, still doing journalism and coaching people to help them understand what journalists want they're not a PR I have I did actually have before I did the blog and before I did what I'm doing now I did actually have a couple of PR clients but I know you've had PRs on podcasts before Mm. I have to say I found it really really stressful because um well because you know people it's it's hard as a PR isn't it really hard because you you could have the most amazing story but something breaks that day and it it doesn't land and there's so many different moving pieces isn't there to land a piece of coverage yeah so, so. Um, i did i did get me going to PR and i found it very very difficult so that's why i went down the coaching route because that just seemed to work for me yeah. i love it i think it's great because there's just no you can't not pivot at the moment can you would you say that it's felt even more like that because of covid and lockdown that you're glad you've got you know your freelance fingers in a few a few freelance pies i suppose yeah oh my gosh absolutely so i've been um i've been trying new things for years Mm -hmm. so like I've always been a freelance journalist but I first started trying to have a few more plates spinning or a few more strings to a bow or revenue streams however Mm. you want to describe it I'd say probably about 10 years ago and I went and did some copywriting coaching and that didn't really I don't know that I I just I I guess I didn't really have it wasn't really me I did a little bit of copywriting Mm. for small businesses but that didn't really get off the ground and then I did in like 2015, I think it was, I did some social media, I did some digital marketing training, mm-hmm. started doing a bit of social media for small businesses. And that was okay, but I didn't really get my teeth into it. And then I did the blog and then this, this one has, this has worked for me, but it's really scary. So I was listening to another lady on your podcast. I think it was Helen Croydon. Oh, um, yes. And she was, it was really interesting listening to her because she was taught, you were both talking about like how precarious freelancing is and you know we kind of start every week don't we thinking okay what am I going to earn this week and you mm. start every week or month with zero don't you and just yeah. knowing that you've got those other revenue streams just makes you feel a lot more sane and a lot less scared doesn't it even after a long long time after 14 years mm. I you know you still just have that worry don't you very much so yeah so, yes. completely. yeah completely it's kind of I don't think I'll ever get used to the feast and famine of 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 work not being there so it's as we're chatting it's early September 2020 and I've put out all those feelers post holidays it's like hello I'm available for work and I'm sitting here at the moment thinking I'll never I I always want to sing careless whisper I'm never gonna work again but it's like you know (laughs) and then suddenly I just know that it'll be oh here we go it'll probably be next week when I'm on a, a night away somewhere that I'm I get a call going oh hello we'd like you to write this thing but it's hard isn't it to to accept that there will be quiet times and that yeah you're right and you've got a few other things going on one quiet time at least like you mentioned your podcast as well at least we can do those things that help build our business yeah 
Yeah. What made you decide to do a podcast? And do you like it? Is it a bonus for being a freelancer? Is it help with your brand? Is it a a plus for you as a, as a self-employed person? I think so. Yeah. It's really early days. So I launched mine in March. Where I was that when I launched it was I was building. I had a. I'd already done a couple. I had a few groups go through my publicity course, mm. um, and I used to have a blog. So I used to share a blog post every week. You know, sharing something that pet business owners would find helpful when it came to promoting the business so it might mm. be like you know how to come up with ideas for a blog post or it might be um you know how to write a press release so I'd do things like that every week and it wasn't really I mean it was okay it was okay people were reading it the stats weren't brilliant and and I also felt like a lot of people kind of who work in the online space they do a lot of Facebook lives and things like that and I'm not very I'm, I have to say I'm not very confident with live video but I thought podcasting could work for me because I think it would be a great way for me to kind of talk about what I do, show my, you know, show my expertise um, and just explain things in a really simple way, which is what I felt people needed. That's where the idea for the podcast came along. And I just thought I'm going to put everything, um, you know, break down all the questions that I get from people, turn them into podcast episodes and, and then hopefully it will help me help support me with the online side of my business and help people make a decision as to whether or not they want to work with me. And it's been really helpful actually. And even when it comes to like the episode that I'm going to be doing later today, we'll be explaining what's in my membership program. So I can write emails or, or Facebook posts or whatever about what's in there. But actually when you get on a podcast, when you plug your mic in and say, well, on a Wednesday we do this and this is what happens in the class. So people can really get a great understanding of what it is, what it's all about. And then, it just really helps them make a decision. So, and it, it, the podcast, I don't know whether, whether the podcast has contributed to, um, you know, the program being more popular mm -hmm. or because you, you don't know, it's hard to tell, isn't it? But it does feel like it's making things easier for me. And yeah, and I really enjoy it. Yeah, it's such a good outlet, isn't it? It's like, well, I guess as we chat now, I think we, we were saying before we pressed record that we've actually connected loads over the years through journalism or through Instagram all those kinds of things but actually we've never really sat down and had a, a chat and it's kind of like oh this is really lovely to be saying hello and actually speaking to each other as well as following each other so it's really nice to hear that you enjoy that side of it as well and it's kind of I mean it's kind of one of those things isn't it at the moment you think well if you're freelance you've got to have a podcast and I don't think you've got to but I would definitely personally say I think it like you just said, you know, it gives people information about what you do in a way that most yeah. people can digest. So people aren't into reading features and blog posts, which not everyone is, but most people can listen to something. But I kind of written in my questions, I put, you've got a podcast as well. You do the journalism and you do the, the workshops you know, and the training and everything. And I've just put, when do you sleep and rest? Or in other words, how do you balance what sounds like a lot of busy and in inverted commas with calm time and do you find time to work on your well-being as a freelancer or do you find that by what you do by working with a topic you love a niche that you love is that kind of a a good thing in itself does that make you enjoy freelancing because you like the topic you work with oh do you know that's a really interesting question because and i think you'll look i think you'll you'll relate to this first of all you know when you kind of reeled off what i do mm -hmm. i think oh gosh i don't really do that much but actually when you listen to it you think actually yeah i do do quite a bit yeah um, because you've got the podcast and I know how hard, you know, I see your stuff. I know how hard you work. You've got the Facebook group as well, haven't you? So it's a oh, lot yes. that you've got I on. I forget about the Facebook group. I think it's easy for us to think, oh yeah, we don't really do that much, but, but we do. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think with, I think you've just kind of touched on it there, actually. The fact that I really love my topic doesn't make it feel as, as hard as it mm. might be. If like, for example, if I was, you know, if my niche was accountancy and I don't, 
I'm not very good with numbers. Me neither. I would be exhausted. Whereas I can sit here and talk about dogs and cats till the cows come home and it's fun, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so I think yeah. that really helps. But I do know, I am really mindful that I need to be, I need to sort out the work-life balance a little bit. And I think because the podcast is new and the programs are fairly new and my membership's fairly new, mm. you feel like you've got some, you've got the momentum going and you have to keep you have to keep up don't you yeah but I am yeah. I'm not I wouldn't say I'm burnt out but it has been a very full-on year so I'm kind of thinking you know towards the end of the year I, I do want to slow down a little bit and you know mm. just do things that I, I enjoy doing did you find that during lockdown business got busier because people wanted to try and promote their businesses and they needed your advice and you know I know that for a lot of people things slowed down but does the sort of the way you're feeling at the moment kind of has that become because of, of lockdown as well and you kept going or, or did you find that actually in lockdown you had to work harder to try and make business connections? How was all of that for you as well? It was a bit strange really because at the beginning of lockdown I just started with um, with my PR course. So I had like a group of six, pe- six pet business owners who were going mm. through it and then lockdown hit and it was like, it was, it was obviously such a, such a unusual mm. and awful time and you, you know, you'd kind of, you don't know what people are going through, do you? So when you go on a call or even if you were, you know, talking in a Facebook group or on a post or on social media, you, you don't know what the person on the other end is going through. And it was so, so strange. Um, so the people who I was working with, you know, we just kind of supported each other and got through each week and, and you know, tried to help each other in any way we could. And mm-hmm. from my point of view, it was it was um, it was actually a good time for them for them to be talking about what they were doing to support people in their local community. So, two of the girls in the group they were dog tra- the dog trainers, but they couldn't go out and train dogs or walk dogs. Both of them do walking and training, um, but they set up like Facebook communities and they did um, you know online classes and online training, and it was brilliant what they were doing. So, they ended up getting some really great coverage from it. So that really it was fantastic for them and you know it really kept us all going through lockdown and then I did find that people were coming to me and saying okay I'm, I'm doing this can you help me promote it and that was because they'd seen like you know Suzanne who her dog walking um support group go in the telegraph and they were like actually can you help me a little bit with this a lot of the time um there weren't stories I could place myself it was consultancy I was able to charge quite quite a nice rate mm. for helping them and they'd go and pitch themselves so it was a it was a really really strange time but also it kind of sped up things for me in my business so I thought about having a membership program and I planned things like later on in the year Mm. I really wanted to do but because lockdown happened I just did them quicker same with the podcast I mean I launched my podcast on the 26th of March which was just after like everything had shut like three days after the whole country shut down and I thought should I do it is it weird is it like you know am I doing the right thing and then I just thought well if I don't do it now I never will so Mm. just kind of got my head down and got on with it really I love that you're helping other people with their business as well. It's almost like you've got this lovely ripple effect of, of supporting small businesses, which is like, I guess, what it's all about for us, isn't it? It's, you know, sort of, yeah. you know, kind of collaborating and things. And you made me think, hearing about other people doing that pivot of turning in, in-person dog training into webinars or something. I mean, it's that classic P word, pivot, isn't it? And I wondered if you had any advice for people who might look at what, what people have done like the dog walker or the dog trainer or look at what you've done and think oh especially journalists or copywriters or people who might be thinking oh, I'd like to carve out a bit of a niche and do some training and stuff and I've written in my questions asking for a friend haha because I'm starting yeah. workshops and I guess a lot of people are thinking about 
can they train in their area is that something they can do now that the world is all on zoom and webinars would you have advice for people who are thinking i don't want to leave my old freelance completely behind but i do want to start diversifying and doing a few other bits or maybe start a podcast or maybe do some training what kind of advice yeah. would you, you give them to kind of get started from your experience? Okay, well, my, my advice would be to go and get some help. So mm -hmm. when I decided I wanted to, like I said, I had the blog and I had a few things going on, but I could never quite, I'd tried a few things that never quite worked. And it would have been like just coming up to two years ago that I found um, a business coach who is a former journalist as well. She'd done many of the things that I thought I wanted to do. So I knew that she would be able to help me do the same thing so her name's janet murray she used to work at the guardian and she mm. now does like marketing coaching so that really helped me so i invested and yeah and i would just say you know like people like yourself you've got your workshops you can speak from experience because you've you know you've walked the walk haven't you so if mm. if a freelance journalist was looking at launching a podcast for whatever reason whether it's health or well-being or diet or whatever they're really passionate about if they came on one of your workshops they or went on one of your programs you would be able to tell them because you've you've been you've been through it yourself so my advice would be to make sure that you do get help and invest and also find somebody who's you know walked down that path before you mm -hmm. and who has done similar things so there's loads of business coaches out there and loads of programs that you can go on but i would just say that if you want let's say if you wanted to niche as a personal trainer if there's somebody mm. who's niche from journalism to be a personal trainer then go and go and talk to them reach out to them and find you know get some support from them because they're going to you know they're going to be able to be able to give you the right advice but yeah definitely to invest in yourself as well because you can find out whatever you want on the internet can't you really you can learn so much but having someone to guide you there just means that when you have those moments where you think oh god i don't know if i can keep going with this you're going to have that can have that encouragement and accountability i think as freelancers we look at the cost of training sometimes and yeah, you know there's some courses you can do that are hundreds of pounds thousands of pounds and often in a staff job or like a, a what people often call full-time employment which makes me laugh because <laughs> obviously freelancers are full-time employed but it's that idea that you know in in a job you, you'd get the training perhaps through your company or you might say well i'll stay you do a deal where they pay for your training and then you say you'll stay with the company for another two years but but you're locked in but it's paid for so i often think we look at the cost of training as freelancers and think well i can't afford to spend 300 pounds on yes a coach or something and you think well actually we really need to get over that a little bit don't we because I, th I agree with you that it is I've never done training and looked back and thought oh, I wish I hadn't spent that 300 pounds on that training course and often mm. there's a group associated with it like a Facebook group or something that yeah. then gives you so I'm really I'm really glad you've mentioned that because I think yeah I want to encourage people to to dabble in training that this season yeah. and free webinars there's plenty that cost I've signed up to one that was 12 pound 50 in a few yeah. years time and I think well I've just spent 40 quid in Aldi, so <laughs> in the pet aisle, I'd like to. <laughs> oh, that's good to hear. Yes, but Aldi had pet week, which is uh, always a very exciting time when Aldi have a special week, isn't it? And you mentioned social media. Social media, yes. would you say freelance friend or freelance foe? You, I see you on, oh. on social a lot, so I presume you, I, now I make an assumption you like it. Am I making the right <laughs> assumption? That's something we do as freelancers, isn't it? <laughs> I know. I know. Okay. It is definitely freelance friend, but it can also yeah. be freelance folks. It's like, oh my God, it's just all consuming, isn't it? And definitely, it, it can take up so much time. Um, so yes, it is your friend because it helps you be, helps you reach people mm -hmm. and it helps you stand out. You know, you, your, your niche is um, freelancing, my pets. Um, 
and you, you know you can become that go-to person which we all want to be but at the same time it is like oh my gosh how i can't write any more tweets about this topic or this like when you know you know what it's like when you promote your podcast don't you yeah. you have like a certain amount of social media posts that you feel like you have to do to promote that episode and you think oh my gosh people are going to hate me because i'm going on and on about this podcast episode or whatever it is that you're doing so and it true. can sometimes just be like the treadmill that never turns off can't it yeah, you feel like going oh i don't know if i've mentioned it winky face but i've got a podcast yeah. out and then actually i don't think i guess those people who really don't like it if you go on about something too much I always say to people that I unfollow people. I mute people all the time. I've kind of got over the idea that people might mute or unfollow me. So I think I'm not going to be everybody's cup of tea. And I guess same, they might think, oh, there's too much about pets now. I don't want to listen. And you just think, okay, well, just find the people that do want to to hear what you're doing then. That's about finding your tribe, isn't it? Which is really important, I think, for finding balance. Definitely. And I think another thing that, that, I just I was just thinking when you were talking then is we're the only person who sees all of the posts that we put out so because of all the different algorithms and everything if we if I write 10 posts about my latest podcast episode I might be cringing as I'm sending them out but not everyone's going to see all 10 posts are they so and we just need to yeah just need to not be scared about what people think I never thought of that because sometimes I look at my grid on Instagram and I think oh there's so many cacti on here but People don't often look at all the, plus that's the thing that I created as my brand. So it's tough now, isn't it? I'd have to change it sort of thing. But yes, it never occurred to me that um, that not everybody sees sees our social the way we see it. And I guess we listen to ourselves perhaps doing the podcast or doing the Instagram story and think, oh, I sound so silly today. Or I sound really, I don't know. Sometimes I think I sound really not pointless, but is what I'm saying, has it got any relevance? And But that's because we're in our own heads as well, isn't it? It's hard yeah. not to be, yeah. Yeah, but I think particularly with the kind of things that you talk about, Jenny, with, you know, our, our self-esteem and well-being mm. and everything. And, and the, you know, the, the sides of freelance life that can be really tough, particularly, you know, when your pictures go unanswered or you might just be feeling a little bit rubbish. It, you know, someone tuning into your Instagram stories one day might hear you say something that is a real smack you right between the eyes moment. And that really helps them. So, like, we have got to try and not be fearful. But I'm telling you this, and I am the world's worst for it. So, do as I say, not as I do. But I do think, I like, I definitely think, particularly with you and your newsletters and everything that you do with the podcast and your your brand, it's really helping people. And you, you like those days, you know, those really soul destroying days when no one comes back to you, or you've had a really oh, rubbish, yeah. or you've had like loads of like loads of capital letters on some copy that you filed you've got to think about like how you feel in those moments and if somebody just said something that made you feel a little bit more positive you'd be like oh thank god for that so that's what we have to think about oh so lovely of you thank you i'm going to explain to people what you mean by the capital letters because it's something it actually just gave me just a flash of like of a stomach cramp almost the the idea of it it's so (laughs) funny though it's this thing in journalism where if you get questions from an editor And I don't think there's any other way of doing it. They put the questions in the copy, don't they? It's capital letters. And it's literally like you're handing over this work. You work, it's not literally, it is like you hand over your work and then it comes back and it's like someone going, no, change this. This is wrong. Why the hell would that person say that? Why is this quote down the bottom? Even if their question says, please move this quote higher up. It's, It's like full on, it feels like criticism because it's in capital letters. And the only other way I've had that done is where someone's done track changes on a word document yeah it's the same effect really because it's still editing but yeah that's that's what for anyone who's listening who doesn't know what that is it's like yeah we get we get our copy back just riddled with things in shouty capital letters which is 
something I haven't got used to over 20 years. It's kind of really, no. I find it very <laughs> stressful. So we're used to it, aren't we? And I think there'll be some yeah. people listening who'll be like, oh my God, that sounds like hell. And like, yes, yes. <laughs> you just sort of get used to it, don't you? But it's funny, what else is a challenge for you? What, and what keeps you freelancing? Well, do you know what? I don't think... I think you'll you'll relate to this. Mm. I think I'd really struggle to have a boss again. Like, I've <laughs> yeah. not had a boss for like 14 years. I used to do like the I used to go and do shifts sometimes at a newspaper and mm. at a PR firm as well, actually. And I found that quite hard. Um, and also, I mean, we don't earn mega amounts of money from journalism, do we? Mm-mm. It has oh, no. to be said. No. And if I went and got a job as, you know, as if I went and got a job in-house or... Um, you know, as a copywriter, or if I went and got, whenever I've looked at getting a job, I would have to go and be, you know, be in some, be in an office every day and have a boss mm-hmm. and I probably wouldn't earn as much as I do freelancing. So that's what keeps, I think that's what, I mean, I do really love my job as well. And I love that you can be flexible and you can just think, okay, I'm going to do a podcast about, you know, how to promote your pet business and just go off and do it. So I like that side of it. Um, but also, you know, people say, don't they, that freelancers or self-employed people would rather work an 80-hour week for themselves and a 40-hour week for somebody else. And <laughs> oh, my God, I've never heard that. so true. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'd rather have to answer an email on holiday because it's my email and it's about me generating work. Perhaps I email someone before I go away and they get back to me midway through yeah. the break. Then my boss for a job email me and say, oh, I need to ask you a question about something because then they're not working it out properly. Yeah, at least if you answer emails on holiday and you're self-employed, it's your yeah. that you're answering on behalf of. Oh, I love that. I'd rather do Definitely. 80 hours for myself than 40 hours for someone else. Huh, brilliant. <laughs> and also I get to hang out with my dog as well. Oh, and you will have seen my dog. Who's, who's very yes. handsome. Tell everyone about your dog. Who, what's his name? Oh, so I've got a lovely dog called Patch. So... Oh. Um, He's, he's gorgeous. So we've had him for a couple of years. He is a very handsome black and white terrier. And um, we found him. We had another terrier, Daisy, who I mentioned earlier. Mm. Um, and she passed away in April 2018. Mm. So we had a little bit of time where we were without dog. Um, and then we spent lots of time going around the shelters. And then we found Patch on a rehoming page for Patterdale Terriers oh, on Facebook. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. He's lovely, so sweet. So that's the other reason why I could never have a proper job because I wouldn't be able to hang out with Patch all day. <laughs> he's like your number one. He's your uh, office manager, should we call him? <laughs> yes, he he's the uh, he's the happiness manager. <laughs> oh, I like that because you genuinely. I remember quite a few episodes ago now, about a year ago, I spoke to Felicity Cloak, who has a cairn terrier, and she was saying that yeah, having a dog it gives you routine, it gives you companionship, but also there are those moments where you feel really down. And actually having a pet around you, it doesn't have to be a dog, but do you find that the dog genuinely does help with your mental health as a freelancer, especially if you're at home all day long? Yeah. And I'm, and also there's, there's something to do. I don't do them like, I don't, if I, I know if I did them every day, I would be so much better, you know, so much better when it comes to like mental wellbeing. But like one of the things that I try to do is, you know, have a mindful dog walk in the morning. So I don't take my phone oh. with me. Yeah. I don't do it all the time, but I do, do try and do it a few times a week. Um, so no phone, just go out with Patch. And I might sometimes take a pen and a bit of paper so if something springs to mind that's really, you know, I really think, oh my God, I need to keep hold of that. Mm-hmm. I can scribble it down. Um, so I do that and I try and, you know, have a walk at lunch and then, yeah, try and have some time with him during the day. So yeah, it does break things up. And if I, you know, if I have been chained to the desk for hours and hours, he will kind of come in and shake and just kind of <laughs> remind me. So, yeah. I love that. He really is the happiness manager. Oh, yeah. I love these chats. <laughs> I'm actually... Uh 
well when this comes out actually I will have my dog by then I'm waiting for a little whippet to arrive in my life so oh. um, yeah I'm really looking forward to having a little co-worker who can yeah break up the day sit on my lap hopefully sometimes and I'll be like you know if I'm feeling a bit crap then there's like you say it gives you a reason to get up and go downstairs or go out or get some fresh air and that kind of thing it's and that can be yeah a cat it could be somebody might be really into horses and horse riding and that's their their outlet with an animal or something or you're one of those non-London people aren't you mm. <laughs> and I just wanted to touch on this before we finish up and um, tell us where you are and like tell me a little bit about sort of why you're based there and, and why all roads perhaps for freelancers don't have to lead to London because I really love to get that feedback from people who have you know aren't in the big smoke capital city oh no it's um no I'm really glad you asked actually because it's um yeah I've never worked in London I've worked cool. for yeah, about two weeks of my whole career in London. Mm-hmm. Um, and a bit of me thinks, actually, I do wish I'd gone and shifted a bit more before I went freelance, but that's by the by now. Should have, would have, could have, and all that. <laughs> but yeah, I worked, um, I live, used to live in Warrington in Cheshire, and I started out on local papers, so I worked at a couple of local papers there. Then I got a job on the Sunday Sport. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> of course, because that's based in Manchester, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. there in Manchester. Yeah. So, um, and then I went from the sport to the news of the world and I worked in the Manchester office and then I went freelance after a couple of years there. And yeah, I never, when I went freelance in like 2006, there was, there was very, there weren't a lot of freelancers in the Northwest. So there's loads of newspaper work there, loads of, quite a lot of magazine work there. And we did have news agencies, but it was a really big patch. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was, you know, there was always plenty of work um, to keep, you know, to keep me busy. Um, so yeah, I've never worked in London and I, I, you know, I do think I would have, if I could have my time again, I probably would have maybe gone and shifted more and, and, you know, met people face to face and everything. Mm. That is kind of one of my regrets, I guess, but I've have managed to have a successful touchboard freelance career, um, by never being in London. Yeah. Low, like, you know, I know your listeners come from all different walks of life, but you know, there's so much going on you know across the north and across the country so I, I really do believe that you don't have to be in London and particularly after Covid like everything's on you know yeah. we do so much online now don't we I am very much of the of the feeling that if you can go if you have worked in an office and you can go back then you know that is a that's a good thing to do mm. I am a little bit like I'm not sure about everybody working online I don't think that's I don't think that's great but, yeah, no, I like an in-person thing. You know, normally yeah, I'd have come I like seeing people in real life. <laughs> yeah, same. Um, so, yeah, you def- I definitely would say that you don't have to be in London to freelance. So. Yes. It's funny because I assumed, and I hadn't asked you before, I t- uh, my complete assumption was that you'd moved, you'd done London first and then moved out of London. So even though I'm not from London, but I lived in London for a long time and worked in London for a long time, there's just this assumption, I think, especially in media, that, oh, you must have started in London. It's like, no, what, what do you mean? You never worked in London. It's just like, I love busting that myth that mm. I think a lot of young graduates at the moment are thinking, well, do I have to go to London and pay those rents? And oh. you know, at least when I lived in London, sort of, well, up until a month ago, but on and off for, for 10 years as a journalist, London was open. And as a young, you know, younger, 20, 30 something single woman in London working in the media, back in what we call the good old days god Ooh. yeah it was worth paying the rent to live in london because what a city to live in but right now if you want to go freelance you know you're watching every penny and london rents it's it's a real sort of debate for people so it's lovely to hear the idea that you can begin a freelance and maintain a freelance career without going anywhere near 
the capital city. Mm. And that said, you're near Newcastle, aren't you? So Newcastle upon Tyne, and it's so it's not like you're not near a city. <laughs> London is not the only city either, is it? <laughs> no, no. Um, and yeah, we're we're right on the outskirts of the city as well, but it's quite nice and green and leafy where I live too. So excellent. We've got the benefits of the kind of countryside, but you're really close to a city. It's it's a nice spot. So I'm very lucky. But the time has flown by chatting away. I'd love you to finish by telling everyone where they can find you. Would you like to tell us sort of website if people have a pet business and they think, oh, I want in on this. I want to learn from Rachel. Um, podcast uh, website, yeah, everything social. Tell us where where we can all find everything that you're doing. Okay, so if you want to find me on social media, on all platforms, I'm Rachel Spencer UK. So that's Rachel, just E-L. <laughs> My website is publicityforpetbusinesses.co.uk. I also have an old website, which is rachelspencerwrites.com, but I'm probably going to be migrating that over. And, and my podcast is Publicity for Pet Businesses. Um, so if you go in whatever podcast app you use, if you just search publicity for pet businesses um, and basically that's weekly tips on how to get publicity for your pet business. However, if you're listening um, and you have any business, really, you can just change the pet business to whatever business mm. it is. As long as you're quite happy to listen to me talk endlessly about dogs and cats and, and animals all the time, um, then, you know, it, it, the tips kind of work for anything really but I, I focus mostly on pets and lots of case studies chucked in there so brilliant pet people. oh I love it and if you're just a pet owner it probably be of interest yeah. I'd say I think if you've got a pet this will sound like and it might inspire people I reckon looking at what you do probably gets people inspired to start their pet business because there's so many people that have yeah. a pet I think that think oh well I've got no, yes, I'm getting a whippet. Maybe I should start making neckerchiefs for whippets. And you think, well, that's sometimes how that little germ of a seed starts. So they should follow you, I would say, if they're a pet owner, because perhaps it might get the cogs turning about, about their little sort of seed they've sown maybe years ago for a pet business that you might just inspire them to, to launch their own freelance in the pet world, I would say. Oh my gosh, definitely. I have one lady who's a client of mine called Kim and she set, she started making bandanas because her little, she was a, she's a former nurse and her, she had a female cocker spaniel called Charlie, but everyone used to think Charlie was a boy. So she started making a bandanas and she's now got a really thriving business and it all just came from her making a bandana for her dog. So brilliant. If you've got yeah, if you've if you've got the urge then um just give it a go i'd say awesome oh rachel thank you so much for joining me it's been an absolute pleasure and i wish you all the best with everything that you're doing and um yeah everybody download rachel's podcast go to her website and find out what she's doing thank you for joining me oh thanks so much for having me on the show jenny it's been great chatting to you too <laughs> Thank you for listening to Freelance Feels, the podcast for humans who work for themselves. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and if you have, you can rate and review it on Apple Podcasts and follow for future episodes. You can find more about Freelance Feels at freelancefeels.com and more of my work at jennystallard.com. Freelance Feels also has a monthly newsletter which you can sign up to at freelancefeels.substack.com and for daily updates, follow on Instagram and Twitter at freelance underscore feels.